Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and uh, our guest today is Ron Lindon, and we're going to have an opportunity to um, explore more about the life of Paramahansa Yogananda, the great sage who is known in the U.S. for bringing Kriya Yoga uh, to this to this land and really helping to lift it up, of course, uh, worldwide. And as we, as we study and learn about Kriya Yoga, we understand that it is a practical system for spiritual awakening that is universally applicable to seekers of truth, for lovers of God from all traditions, a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in our world today. And so today we're going to um, talk about, in a sense, walking with Paramahansa Yogananda, his pilgrim's journey, his uh, faith, his devotion, his persistence to know God um, propelled him to be one of the leading spiritual teachers of all time. His travels throughout India and meetings with saints and sages, of course, continue to inspire seekers today who uh, dip into the spiritual nectar of his book, The Autobiography of a Yogi. And uh, today we're really... Um, Honored and uh, inspired, I think you will be inspired to hear from Ron Lindon about his journeys throughout India, walking in the footsteps of Paramahansa Yogananda and the stories that he discovered, the connections he discovered, some new uh, insights about the life and uh, inspirations of Paramahansa Yogananda. Ron Lindon serves as a minister on the staff of Center for Spiritual Awareness in Lakemont, Georgia. He offers seminars on meditation, creative imagination, um, and uh, and living spiritual living in the Kriya Yoga tradition. He's a frequent guest speaker at churches and yoga centers. And Ron and I are spiritual friends for many decades. Both of us are disciples of Roy Jean Davis, who is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. And Ron is currently working on a documentary called Yogananda's India. You can find out more about Ron and this uh, forthcoming documentary at uh, yogananda'sindia.com. That's yogananda'sindia.com or lindan.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-H-N.com. Good morning, Ron. It's a delight to welcome you back to the Yoga Hour. Good morning, Alan, and it's wonderful to be back here with you again. Thank you. And before we dive into your journey and uh, our whole conversation about the 
ability to make a spiritual pilgrimage and what that's all about, um, let's just make a pilgrimage to our divine self for a moment in a moment of meditation. As we pause for a moment, let us intend to Become aware of that divine reality which is omnipresent, everywhere present, beyond, within, and through all the worlds, that eternal, boundless, infinite reality which is the life of our life, the breath of our breath, that is unmoving, unchanging, ever awake and aware. So we use the simple tool of our breath with the in-breath to feel that we are diving within into the deepest essential self and with the out-breath letting go of clinging to Restless thoughts. Just letting our awareness expand. And noticing as we become aware of the breath, the breath naturally slows. And peace begins to arise within us and we can feel that peace that peace is the peace that is always within us unconditional so we touch that peace now for a moment just a brief moment that's all it takes and we can intend to bring that peace forth now into our day, into every conversation, into every meeting, into every action. Let us bring that peace, that awareness of the truth of our being, the truth of the divine reality in everyone and everything. Ron, as we begin our conversation today about spiritual pilgrimage and hearing about some of your experiences on the mystic trail of Paramahansa Yogananda's journeys in India, I want to begin our conversation with a poem uh, written by our Guru Roy Eugene Davis about the spiritual journey, really the journey of awakening. And uh, here's the poem, Sojourning Through Space and Time, seamless, Seemingly Endlessly Wandering with Scant Understanding, Sojourning Through Space and Time, Seemingly Endlessly Wandering with Scant Understanding, Devoid of Meaningful Purpose, Where Are We Going and Why? What are the right answers to the questions everyone is asking? At the innermost level of our essence of being, where we are, eternally whole and pure, we have always known. And this is from his book, uh, Mystic Reflections, available at CSA. You can find out more about his books at csa-davis.org. When we think about spiritual pilgrimage, of course, we we often think about traveling somewhere to be in places where uh, great souls or great spiritual teachers have lived and taught. And 
you know, something about journeying to those places heightens uh, our own uh, spiritual seeking. But of course, it's, there's a sense of of power and presence in those um, places. And um, when we read autobiography of a yogi, you know, of course, we we read about Yogananda's um, early years and his journey. Um, to many uh, saints and sages, to many holy places. And, um, you know, there's a powerful sense of sharing that journey with him as you read the book. And, you know, it touches, of course, the heart of our own yearning, and we can share in that uh, awakened consciousness that permeates that that book. And uh, last year, you went on um, an extended pilgrimage, really, in, in India, visiting so many places um, where Yogananda lived and learned and taught. Um, so, Ron, tell us a, a little bit about that journey and uh, perhaps, you know, what really struck you about walking in these footsteps of 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 this master, Paramahansa Yogananda, and uh, what you read, and this is a kind of a big question, but you know, you, you read Autobiography of Yogi, and I know you charted his, his course on your map before you went, and then you went and you, and you learned, of course, some new things, and you had your own experience there. So um, just start where you would like to start about this journey, and in a sense, what you, what you discovered. Well, Ellen, the, the journey began with uh, th- this intention to just go and visit these places. I had been there once in 1981, and I thought, well, it's been a while, and I want to go back and, and with a new perspective, revisit and retouch the places where Yogananda had personally lived and studied, and also our masters, Lahiri Mahashaya, Sri Yukteswar, Babaji, uh, to just sort of get to touch in with that and get some reality for myself. And, uh, and so th- I started to do a little research to look on YouTube and see videos of people that had made this pilgrimage and, you know, see if there were any clues. And I discovered that there was hardly anything. Nobody has bothered to make this pilgrimage video. And I thought, wow, I, this is one of my fortes and I'm going to take my camera along and, and show people that can't make the trip what it looks like to make the trip. So that's how it began. And then as we started on our journey, it turned out that we were finding out things just by connections, by being in these places, finding out things that made these individuals really live more as people. So there's this tendency, you know, to sort of uh, turn our masters into icons and uh, put them at a distance. They're really special and we're not, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, and that really, that really, of course, then makes us fall into that trap of thinking enlightenment is, you know, for, you know, special souls, right? And, uh, you know, the greatest obstacle that we have. So say more about learning about their life as, as people, in a sense, as, um, uh, as those on a journey of awakening, um, like ourselves, you know, so what, what came to you about that? Well, one of the most, uh, there are so many things, so many. <clears throat> one of the most um, profound, I guess, uh, insights was when we went to Yogananda's house. So he's living at 4 Garpur Road in Calcutta, the main family uh, house. So we tracked that down and took pictures. And then we uh, wanted to take pictures of uh where his friend uh, Manamahan, his best friend in high school and on through the rest of his life, uh, where he lived, which was across the street at the deaf and dumb school, uh, his father was there. And uh, while we were there, we thought, well, we'll get the place where they met, which was some park uh, where they were playing soccer. So it turned out that this park is a block away. And here's this big park with the soccer field. So now we start to say, well, it's, you know, a block and a half from Yogananda's house is the soccer field. Across the street is where his best friend lived. And they met when Yogananda was 15 years old. And 
he started his his uh, his quest, his practice so early in life that at 15, he and Manamohan and another school friend rented a little hut a mile away for one and a half rupees and made this into their ashram. 15 years old. <laughs> and But, you know, it, in a way, it's... Um it's something that that young people do you know they 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 begin to do something that that gives us evidence right of their uh of their soul unfoldment you know as mm-hmm. it's going to come you know later in life um there's probably you know times that i mean certainly in my own life i remember you know even meditating as a young child you know i didn't know what it was and ne- neither mm. did anybody else around me but i think you know those those yearnings and those uh moments of childhood you know begin to tell us about the direction of our life and uh what a lovely discovery that these these young uh men you know created their own ashram uh down the street in sort of a you know an indication of of what was to come Right. Well, and this actually it wasn't down the street. This one was a mile away. They had mm. to walk to it. It was a small mm. hut. Uh, and Manomahan, who was later Satyananda, um, said that he felt terrible because the first night he went home and Yogananda stayed up all night whitewashing it <laughs> to make it beautiful. And then he had this beautiful altar inside. And people would come. His friends would come from school and his sister would let him sneak out at night. So after the family was asleep, she would let him out the side door. He would go spend all night meditating and chanting in this ashram and then come back and sneak in in the morning before the family got up. Mm. So this is this is high school. Mm. And, uh, and he went to the deaf and dumb school across the street and the Manamahan's father let them dig a cave next to the pond. So they had their own little yogi cave right across the street. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. uh, and he had a meditation, no? and he had a meditation room in, in the house, or unless it was just, I'm not sure if that was just his bedroom where he meditated, but, you know, I've visited that house, uh, as well. And, you know, the attic room where he had his experience of, uh, Divine Mother. And, um, you know, it's beautiful to be able to go and sit in that room, isn't it? Yes. You know, and to, to feel that, uh, to feel that presence there. And, you know, it's wonderful that, it's wonderful and it's amazing that, you know, that place is still, um, maintained and that it's accessible, um, yeah. to, to those who are interested in the life of Paramahansa Yogananda that you can actually go into his childhood home and, uh, kind of takes you there and then have the opportunity to go and sit in the room where he meditated. Um, and of course then there are other places that, um, are connected to his journey that, you know, have not been maintained so well that, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it would be, um, it would be lovely to see them in a sense resurrected. You know, I know the, the school where his uh, Sanskrit teacher taught is one place that, um, you know, I visited that, um, you know, was really in disrepair, you know, uh, you're, you're talking about Master Mahashaya? Yes, yeah, okay, that school. This was actually his Sanskrit tutor was Sastri, Shastri Mahashaya, Kebalananda. And this was a fellow that his father had hired to sort of help move him away from being such a devotional child to being more uh, into the study of the scriptures. And so Shastri was the... The, it was special because he had such a good understanding of the Shastras. And and Yogananda's father did not know that Shastri Mahashaya, Kebalananda, was a brother disciple of Lahiri Mahashaya. So he brought Lahiri Mahashaya's disciple into the house, and this was Yogananda's first guru. He initiated him into Kriya Yoga, and Yogananda called it, referred to him as guru, um, and so he's right there in, at home. The the house you're talking about is Master Mahashaya. He was one of the um, main disciples of Ramakrishna. He's the one that wrote the Ramakrishna Gospels. Mm-hmm. And so here, so we go to his house in 50 Amherst Street. It turns out to be like two and a half blocks away from Yogananda's house. 
And Yogananda was so influenced by Ramakrishna that he would go and visit Master Mahashaya almost every day after school. They had a very close bond. And then, you know, it's amazing. I remember 50 Amherst Street is the house that his mother was renting when his older brother was about to be married. And this is where she passed away. So here's this other connection, you know. Mm. Mm. How how wonderful to experience these these deep uh, connections. And we're going to take a break now for just a moment. And, and when we come back, um, we'll... we'll to talk more about not only what you found in India, walking in the footsteps of Paramahansa Yogananda, but also just um, taking a look at how um, making such a journey uh, can uh, be transformative and how um, learning about these things can, of course, support uh, those of us who are journeying um, from our meditation cushion or from our from our armchair. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, and our guest today is Ron Lindon, a minister on staff of Center for Spiritual Awareness, Lake Mont, Georgia, a longtime disciple of Roy Eugene Davis, uh, who is a direct disciple of Paramansa Yogananda. And uh, Ron is making a film about Yogananda's India, and you can learn more about that at yogananda'sindia.com. We'll be right back with you. In his new book, What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug?, Daryl Fuzaro emphasizes the positive effects of applying unity principles in everyday situations. Laura Harvey, editor of Daily Word magazine, explains Daryl Fuzaro shares his life lessons with inspiring creativity. This book is encouraging, funny, and heartwarming, a combination I highly recommend. As co-host of Unity Online Radio's Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, Daryl's old-school charm and no-nonsense approach to spirituality keep a global audience laughing and inspired. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug? Is loaded with Daryl's hilarious, award-winning illustrations and packs his wit and wisdom into easy-to-digest, bite-sized stories of how he transforms chaos into tranquility and succeeds in the entertainment business by doing the opposite of everyone else. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug is a pocket Bible encouraging the talented and timid to trust their gut, act on their intuition, and step out boldly. Even if you just bought it for the chapter titles and Daryl Fuzaro's illustrations alone, you'd be getting more than your money's worth with this book. Author and film critic Sister Rose Bucati says spending time with Fuzaro's stories will leave you no choice but to smile and carry on. Oh, he forgot to mention he hangs out with a group of nuns, but then if he had, it would have necessitated a change to some of his more colorful adjectives. Have fun ordering your copy of What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug today on Amazon.com. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Someone once said there are two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. Climb the tree or plant an acorn and wait. If we expect changes to happen in our lives, we may want to consider climbing. Plus, changes needn't be monumental. Sometimes it's as easy as an attitude shift. Life is what we bring to it. Do you have a job that seems less than exciting? When you walk through the door, bring joy with you. Life looks better when viewed through a positive attitude. Are you facing a health challenge or surgery? Get rid of your fears by focusing instead on spirit working in and through you. When you remember that with God all things are possible, your outlook cannot help but change. Today, wherever you go, whatever you face, do so with joyous expectations. Release your inner splendor and allow the light and love of God to guide your way. 
This mindful moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. Finding time for the positive reminders in Daily Word is easy with the digital edition, perfect for smartphones and readers on the go. Give it a test run with our 30-day free trial offer. Learn more at unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. Welcome back. The Yoga Hour, I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and joining us today is Ron Lindon, a minister on staff of Center for Spiritual Awareness at Lake Mont, Georgia, a longtime disciple of Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. To find out more about um, Mr. Davis and his teachings, um, the retreats that are available there at Center for Spiritual Awareness in Lake Mont, Georgia, you can go to the website csa davis dot org csa hyphen davis dot org and uh we've been talking about uh ron's recent journey in india following in the footsteps of paramahansa yogananda and uh one of the things of course that we learn as we read autobiography of a yogi is about um the saints or sages the uh masters of the kriya yoga tradition um, that permeate the life of Paramahansa Yogananda. And uh, one, of course, is uh, Lahiri Mahashaya, a, re- a revered uh, sage, who is such an interesting example for us because he was someone who, um, you know, had a day job uh, and uh, had a family and uh, still carried on um, this deep immersion in the infinite that he was able to share. And what did you discover about Lahiri Mahashaya and this uh, connection that was there from Paramahansa Yogananda, for Paramahansa Yogananda, really from birth, you know, when he was blessed? Because Lahiri Mahashaya was uh, the guru of his parents. And so, you know, he was blessed uh, as he came into this world by Lahiri Mahashaya. Um, and what else did you discover on your journey about that connection uh, with Lahiri Mahashaya? Well, Lahiri Mahashaya was such a remarkable individual. Um, he he met uh, his teacher, Babaji, who is a reclusive uh, yogi living up in the mountains, up above Raniket, and he was one of a group of individuals who, who basically left the normal householder's life, left everything to go out and find out who they were and what the nature of God and what's really going on around here. So they were, they were hermits. And, and Lahiri Mahashaya was very much, uh, interested in his, in his spiritual development and meeting individuals like this. So he meets this fellow and, and learns about, uh, spiritual practices and techniques that are unique to these fellows who have left the world, who are out there in their caves and working on themselves 24-7. And Lahiri Mahashaya's gift, his genius, was to be able to, to take this technology and to modify it for householders. So he came back and he taught individuals, everybody, that it's possible to have the same realization, the same experience, if you're persistent and if you practice. And so, uh, so he was very remarkable in his ability to innovate and take what had been pretty much the exclusive domain of renunciates and be able to adapt that to everybody. You know, this was well, and there's um, and there is also, you know, we we understand reading the autobiography of Yogi, and we can understand by, you know, being in the world in the time that we're in that um, these uh, meditation techniques and this philosophy and practice of Kriya Yoga it is something in particular that is, you know, helpful to our time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the most critical need that we have, of course, is to wake up, you know, to be able to realize the truth of what we are as spiritual beings and um, to be able to live in an awakened world, you know, where, where people understand their connection with the infinite, um, how to live in peace with one another. So we find that 
um, you know, permeating the teachings, uh, coming forth, you know, from the, <clears throat> from the high, uh, Himalayas into, in the sense what we would call, you know, the, the valleys of everyday life. Um, mm. and that is really to, to lift, uh, lift us up, allow us to fulfill our potential in the very, um, days and times, uh, that we are uh, living in. So there was that, uh, motivation, which, you know, we can see, uh, the value of it and the need for it in the times that we're living in. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that did, became very clear, has become very clear in all the research that we've done and as we continue is that when we say Kriya Yoga, we tend to think that this is a system that exists and it's codified. And the reality is that Lahiri Mahashaya never claimed to teach a thing called Kriya Yoga. Kriya is action. And so he would give actions, he would give practices and disciplines to individuals based on their need. And so there were many different techniques that he would give to people based on their ability to practice and their psychological disposition. So uh, so there isn't just one. There are several different ways of approaching this. And, and uh, the interesting thing about this is that um, that our teachers, all of our teachers, including Sri Yukteswar and Yogananda, were all innovators. They all said, "What? Find out what works for you. You know, experiment. Try these different processes. Try the practices, and continue until you get something that works. And when you find what works, stay with it. Mm-hmm. And that's really at the heart of of yoga philosophy, and you know, of course, we find that even in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, um, you know, there are all those techniques in there, you know, ways that you can approach uh, calming, quieting the mind, which is the principal thing that we want to have happen in order to experience superconscious meditation. So, you know, when you when you look at the ancient texts and you look at you know how Patanjali. Uh, uh, you know, codified, uh, made a system, you know, out of these ancient teachings. Even there, you know, there are all these various ways. Well, you know, you can you can concentrate on you know one thing that is pleasing to you. You can meditate on Om. Um, you, you can practice pranayama. You know, uh, all these various ways. And um, and then basically, Patanjali says, you know, or just do what works. <laughs> just do what works for you. Right. I mean, that's not a direct quote, but really, that's the spirit of what we find uh, in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. And uh, it's a beautiful thing that you that you bring up because I think just there's this, this tendency that that has to do uh, I, I think that to to, um, to try to make something spiritual into something um, material <laughs> let's put it right. that way you know and unchanging okay here's the thing here's what you do um, but really it's all about being and so um, there's this beautiful spirit of yoga that says no 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 don't don't think of this as being um, as something external this is an internal um, pilgrimage it's, it's it's really a journey to yourself it's an experiment that you have to perform and yes these techniques are useful um, but you've got to try try them and test them out uh, in your own experience so you you seem to have been heightened in your awareness of that um, core principle of yoga from your journey Um so tell us more about, you know, what you discovered about Lahiri Mahashaya or even Sri Yukteswar that, um, that inspired you. Well, uh, Sri Yukteswar, of course, Lahiri Mahashaya, as, as we know, is, was a secret yogi. He, was, he would tell his uh, new initiates, his people that came to him, he say, don't tell anybody that I'm your guru. Don't make this special. And don't tell anybody what you're doing. Just practice. So Sri Yukteswar, who was a very bright young man, very well thought of, amazing, amazing mind, amazing person, um, uh, his great personality, a musician, uh, uh, inveterate. I mean, he was just a, he couldn't get enough information. He studied everything. So this bright guy, who's also very spiritually disposed, predisposed, is meeting every yogi and every saint, anybody that comes along, and checking them out. He has to know, is this real or not real, and what works and what doesn't work. 
and he hears overhears in, in uh, Serampore, he overhears at a social gathering some uh, lawyers, some friends of his that are talking about their guru. And he goes, "Who who is this guy?" And they say, "Well, we can't tell you." And so he's he's like, "This this is like you know, I have to know." So he he gets that this guy isn't living in Benares. And so he heads off to Benares, and he has to go do sleuth work, and kind of listen in at keyholes, and and uh, and track down Lahiri Mahashaya. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so this was a, really a journey of intention to even find his guru. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. And then, even after he's uh, initiated and and. Lahiri Mahashaya is his guru. He still continues to visit his friend Trialinga Swami, who's a great, great saint in Benares, and other individuals to continue learning and develop his, developing his own spiritual chops, if you will. So he's a good Kriya Yogi, but that's not enough. He doesn't stop there. He continues to work on his own awakening, his own path, and continues to take anything that might be useful and apply it. You know? Mm-hmm. So, so this is this innovation. This is the ability to see what's useful and not discard it just because it doesn't have the right name on it. You know. Mm. So in in meeting his uh, his guru, you know, was of course, um, you know, we hear these stories of the sense of homecoming, and of course, you know, you and I had that. Uh, experience each in our own way of, you know, seeking, 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 and then, you know, meeting the guru, meeting our guru, uh, and just hearing, you know, for me, it was hearing the teachings, uh, in a way that was so clear that, you know, it is like it woke me up, <laughs> woke me up, you know, just to, just to hear it and, um, you know, I, I had the realization the other day that, you know, I, I had always thought that, you know, that uh, Roy Jean Davis, when I, when I met him, you know, I, I recognized it was a spiritual experience because it was something happening beyond thought, you know, beyond words. It was a, a, a transmission. At the time, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what to call it, but I recognized that something was, occurring and uh so i knew enough to know that um and i always felt like i i would describe what he was speaking to my heart you know which i think is true meaning he was speaking to my essence of being you know that recognized it um but lately i i had the thought well i think what was happening was really my own self my own higher self was actually speaking <laughs> uh you know there there was that transmission but it was really the the quickened uh awakening you know in a sense of my own self uh which is the which is the goal and i think that you know the meeting with the guru is um this is time when that uh, we have that transmission and it's, it's, um, I, I think it's like a catalyst mm-hmm. uh, you know in the gita even krishna says you know that i'm the teacher of the ancient teachers and um so, so yeah, we're, we're always accessing this, this deeper level of our own being that's our, always there all the time. Never, it's never been anywhere else. But, <laughs> but this teacher becomes the catalyst that allows us to, to puts us back in touch with that. Yeah, I always sort of think of the guru as the matchmaker, you know, to introduce us, uh, to the divine beloved <laughs> that has, that has always, uh, always been uh, with us and uh, and never left but somehow you know we leave and then we go searching you know for that which uh, was never missing um, and so it's it's fascinating of course to to hear from you and to think about the journeys that that the ones we hold in really high esteem um, as realized saints and sages had their own journeys and you know had their own seeking and had their own ways of you know finding that um, connection and well and, um, and you know Ellen and they put in the time they did the work it's <laughs> like what you know what makes them who they are is the fact that they sat down and meditated and they looked into the nature of what's going on and how this mind works and they they showed up and did the work and and what they say is if you do what I did you can be like me. You know, this is this is a, a really uh, amazing, powerful promise, and and it's true. 
Yeah. And what did you, what did you find on your journey that, that, I mean, you, you told us already about, of course, Yogananda starting out at such an early age and arranging conditions, even if it meant sneaking out at night, you know, to go meditate, you know, um, you know, teenagers frequently sneak out at night, but not usually to meditate. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's a, that's an interesting insight into, you know, him as a young man having such ardor, you know, such, um, such a drive, such, uh, love for God, such interest in, uh, realization. Um, what other stories, you know, really came to you that, that, um, exemplify that persistence that he had, that devotion, that curiosity that kind of kept him moving along? And, um, I think you, you also visited the place where, did you not, where he even met, uh, Sri Yukteswar? Right. Yeah. And Benares. This was, this was another, Varanasi, sorry. Uh, this was another one of these aha moments. So we, we had, uh, Visited Lahiri Mahashaya's residence and taken pictures of his front door and sat and meditated. And then my next, uh, our next job was to find out where Sri Yukteswar had his rooms because he had moved there, he had moved his mother there, um, and spent three months every year living in, in Varanasi. And he had moved there for quite some time after he met, um, Lahiri Mahashaya. So I know that it's on Rana Mahal, and he talks about being on a balcony overlooking the Ganges, and so so I've got to track this down. So when I find Rana Mahal, and I look over to the left, the next gat, the next place right next to Rana Mahal is Chausadi Gat, which was where Lahiri Mahashaya would go every morning for his dip in the Ganges, for his bath and his uh, uh, puja. And so these guys, they lived right next to each other, right next door. And then when you go from either Ranamahal Ghat or from Chausadi, the, the lanes come together and they go into this Bengali section. That, now, uh, both Lahiri Mahashaya, uh, Sri Yukteswar, and Yogananda were all Bengalis. They were all from East India. And so they were living in the section of Varanasi that is the Bengalis. So in the Bengali Tola is the market. So when you come out from Lahiri Mahashaya and Sri Yukteswar's place in the natural course of a lane, it connects with, intersects with this market, this Bengali Tola, in a place that there's a little, uh, uh, little Durga temple on the right-hand side of it, and, and it opens up in the marketplace, and it's like, this has got to be the place where Yukteswar was standing when Yogananda saw him, he's walking by in the marketplace and looks down this alley, and this is the alley he would be coming from. There's no other place around there that makes any sense. So I'm standing there going, this is the place. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's obvious. And so these kind of connections are um, it, very interesting, and, and they make so much more sense when you're actually standing there and you see the relationship between one place and another and where these individuals had to be at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 it gives a. As you started off the program today, you were saying, in a sense, you you begin to see the the human element. You know, um, like we we hear, we read the story of this divine meeting, um, <laughs> right? You know, this divine meeting that is is in a sense prearranged by the gods, right? You know, uh-huh. I mean here, but and and yes, that element is there, but there's also this intersection, you know, which um, makes it very humanly possible in in the course of um, the way that things go. Um, in a human way, you know, here's well, the lane, here's the market, here's the clo- here's the proximity. Well, there's another little story behind that, if you got another minute. Yes. Um, so, as soon as Yogananda graduates from high school, he had promised his father he would stay in school and wouldn't run away to the Himalayas. And so, he graduates from high school. As soon as he's out of high school, he gets his father to agree to let him go to Benares and join an ashram. So, he goes to this ashram in Benares. Well, the family's very upset. They want Yogananda to be like a regular guy and get married and have a life. So, so Yogananda's uncle in Sarampur 
is is saying this is not acceptable and he's talking to his brother to Yogananda's father and he says look I have a friend here in Serampur who goes to Benares quite often and he's there right now Priyanath Karar Swami Sri Yukteswar and so Yogananda's father writes a letter to Sri Yukteswar and says my son is in Benares how about looking in on him and you know making sure he's okay so Yukteswar writes a letter to Yogananda at the ashram and says, your dad said we should get together and check in. And so they've already been in contact before this meeting where Yogananda sees Yukteswar in the Bengali Tola. Um, there's been a setup behind this where Yukteswar is looking for him because <laughs> his father asked him to. And of course there is the, there is the, you know, the consciousness, the divine connection behind that that's making all these things happen, but it's also happening in a way that is understandable from a human level too. Mm-hmm. And and really, when we when we hear the story in that way, I don't I don't think it takes away from you know that sense of divine meeting, you know, where Yogananda cannot move his feet and he's, you know, just drawn uh, to this place uh, to meet his guru. Uh, I don't. I don't think it takes away from that. And in fact, it makes it, in a sense, more accessible to us. Um, right. You know, it's like right where we are. And, you know, God, this divine plan, is operating in, in our lives, um, like on the ground, you know, in, in the mundane places where we live. You know, this um, divine plan is unfolding. And so... Um, you know that's beautiful to think about um, this kind of behind the scenes uh, turning of events. You know how um, you know his his father was in a way uh, unwittingly uh, involved in having this meeting uh, occur, and um, you know of course the the story of you know his father ultimately giving him financial support you know mm-hmm. to for his journey to America is such a touching story that you know he you know he says as as your father you know i, I cannot i don't do this but i do it mm-hmm. as a disciple of lahiri mahashaya so you know yogananda being born into a family that had that consciousness you know that had that awareness um that spiritual awareness was you know part of his um divine destiny you know to have that um support well, and, 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 you know, so much support. I mean, like all of us, um, we're all supported. Grace is dominant everywhere in life if we can be open to it. Uh, but you see this evidence of this support in his life, these connections, these individuals, you know, so his uncle's working behind the scenes as an agent for God to make this connection happen, but it happens. And, as he goes forward, uh, he has the support of his friend. Around the corner, uh, Tulsi Bose uh, becomes one of – Yogananda is a natural leader. Everybody follows him. He just has that personality, that charisma. So here is this young man, this spiritual giant, um, who's engaging his high school friends and the kids around the corner. And, uh, and so after their little hut being a mile away was a little bit, uh, inconvenient, Tulsi Bose, who lives right around the corner, gets his father to donate their hut. So they have a, like a little adobe building and they give that to Yogananda and Satyananda and Dhirananda, um, Basu Kumar, these guys are like the three musketeers. They are mm-hmm. always together. They are spiritual allies, and they spend all their time meditating, chanting, talking about God, reading the Bhagavad Gita. And this is their new ashram right around the corner, <laughs> and becomes the becomes the uh, seed for the school that they start. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they attract the attention of uh, the Maharaja, Cousin Bazaar who becomes a great supporter of Yogananda's work 
through his first school in Dahika and then Ranchi and, uh, and continues on even after he, he falls on hard times and doesn't have the, the money and the resources, he continues to fund this school and keep supporting Yogananda's work because he believes in it. Mm-hmm. So Yogananda has these supporters that he attracts all the way through his life and through his process. And even after many setbacks, even in America, he continues to attract supporters. Grace continues to support his mission because he is focused on one thing, his own awakening process and sharing what he's experienced and what he knows with the rest of us, mm-hmm. you know, powering us to have the same experience. Really, and and communicating that uh, incredible um, faith and insight, mm-hmm. you know, so he, he has, a, a, as you've mentioned, you know, there are hard times, and of course, even in America, there are, um, you know, building any organization, you know, like he did, um, that that's just part of it, but, you know, he, he kept his consciousness aloft uh, in this uh, remembrance of God, remembrance of truth, and that's what he communicated, you know, and of course that was um, a part of his uh, attracting power that was just his consciousness of being aware of God. And, you know, I can see that people uh, wanted that. And, uh, of course, that was the experience of our own uh, guru, uh, Roy Jean Davis, when he met Paramahansa Yogananda in 1949. And um, I do want to mention to our listeners that um, there is a book on that, Paramahansa Yogananda, As I Knew Him. Uh, written by Roy Eugene Davis uh, that you can find uh, through uh, the CSA website or you can find it on, on Amazon as well. But Ron, uh, we have just a few minutes left of this morning and uh, I'd like to hear about uh, the movie that you're working on and um, you know what is the goal of this uh, movie? What, what do you see uh, unfolding with this Yogananda's India? Well, we, we've in the research that we've done, and these are reading books by his best friend, uh, Manamohan Sachinanda, and his uh, brother, Mijda, you know, the, the book Mijda from Sananda, and, uh, and, and several others. Uh, it just becomes so interesting to see how this individual became who he was. You know, what made Yogananda into a saint? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so our objective with this movie is to is to go back and retrace not only the steps and some of the things that led to his awakening and and the support that he had, but also uh, Sri Akteshwar, Lahiri Mahashaya. You know how these folks got to where they were in a real way. And so we so not only do we film these places, but we've also uh, uh done enough research to be able to tell these stories. So our our documentary is basically uh Yogananda's life until he leaves India. Mm. It's the mate it's becoming Yogananda. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And so it includes also then the stories of um, Sri Yukteswar, Lahiri Mahashaya. And um, one of the things I'm hearing is this... Um, this is this element of um, humanity. You know what is on the ground experience, um, everyday experience of these um, saints um, that we read about who inspire us so much. Um, yeah, yeah. What is, what is the what is the human element here that we can also connect to? You know, as we as we see them lifted up. You know, what was their path of awakening, and how can that? Uh, um, inspire us also to be as steadfast and as committed. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's even like uh, visiting Babaji's cave and then realizing that uh, just a few miles away is Dunagiri Temple, which is one of the most holy places in India dedicated to Divine Mother. And this is why Babaji was there, was mm. This ancient, ancient, thousands of years old, this power spot, this spiritual juicy place was where Babaji would go and, and meditate and practice his sadhana. And there's even a shrine, a little shrine at Dunagiri Temple to Babaji and Lahiri Mahashaya where Lahiri Mahashaya was initiated. And so, so it's, it's like, okay, well, this makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just living out in the cave in the mountains. It's living in this spiritually charged atmosphere that continues to make sense. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again and again, we find 
that the that these stories make these people live as human beings and give us the hope the possibility of being able to to a little bit follow in their footsteps and access our own spirituality you know and it seems that the the key element that I've been hearing the thread um, is really this um, and this teaching that we've heard you know from our own teacher is the necessity for focus on the goal and for steadfast dedication to it. So um, to know what you're here for and uh, and then to remain. Um, you know, in a sense, unmoved, unmoved by obstacles along the way, but um, to to ever keep on, as we hear that beautiful quote from Lahiri Mahashaya, keep on keeping on and behold one day the goal. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Ron, for being on the Yoga Hour uh, again today. And I want to remind our listeners, Ron Lindon is a minister on staff of Center for Spiritual Awareness, Lake Mont, Georgia. And uh, you can find out more about Ron and this upcoming uh, documentary about Yogananda's India at uh, yogananda'sindia.com. That's yogananda'sindia.com. And also uh, to find out more about Roy Jean Davis and the, the many uh, resources that are available on that website that, that Ron helps to post <laughs> and maintain. <laughs> and that is um, csa-davis.org, csa-davis.org. And there are some previous episodes uh, with Ron uh, on the Yoga Hour. He he was uh, with us in January of uh, 2012, The Power of Your Word, May uh, 2011, uh, Creative Use of the Mind, and November uh, 2010, How God Pervades the World. So um, we look forward to being with you again next week uh, on the Yoga Hour for the program on courage, service, and surrender, everyday wisdom um, for today, drawn from the Bhagavad Gita, and my guest will be Swami Bodhananda Saraswati, director of Sambod Society and author of the book, The Gita and Management. The Yoga Hour is a service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. To find out more about uh, Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, please visit csecenter.org. That's csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour. You can do that uh, free on iTunes and uh, share it with your friends. I look forward to being with you again. Uh, Until then, remember to let your inner light uh, shine into the world and to share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Jeff, in our sound booth um, at Unity Online Radio. Thanks again to Ron, our guest today, and to the Yoga Hour team uh, who puts this all together. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? 
We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. ever said to yourself, I'm living a life I never intended to create? What life did you intend to create? Did you set goals? Did you work toward reaching those goals? If we don't have a specific goal in mind or we don't know where we want to go, we may be likely to end up in places not of our choosing. Establishing goals along with guidelines on how to achieve them helps to keep us focused and energized and often makes our lives more interesting, useful, and successful. It's never too late to take control of your life. Once you have your purpose clearly in mind, explore the various ways you can make it happen and visualize the process you believe can work best. Set goals, do what it takes to accomplish them, and enjoy your process. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 